The following podcast has coarse language, sensitive subjects, and will make you afraid to turn out the light. Listener discretion is advised. Fear. It's not to be taken lightly. It's what disables us into unrational thoughts. It brings out the monsters and makes us pray for the daylight. It can seep into us like rain into soil, turning every noise into impending doom. You can soothe yourself, say it's not really there, but the fear feeders won't allow that. They encourage your cries and make the night a little darker because they need your terror to survive. Welcome to All Hallows' Eve. And this is Geist. Six sits down for dinner. There's laughing and clanking of dishes and early excusals. As the children leave the table and head up the stairs, something is watching, eyes peering from beyond, until one of the children notices, and then can't unnotice. So I grew up in Perth, Ontario, a small little town, population of about 6,000. Everybody knows everybody's business, but it is really beautiful. Um, really a, a mix of a mix of blue collar and also a little sprinkle of granola in there. It's a, a lovely little town to grow up in, but I was equally as happy to spread my wings and fly elsewhere. The house that we grew up in is on the main street in town called Drummond Street. We're on the West End. And uh, it is one of the larger houses on the street and definitely one of the oldest as well. Beautiful, big, big house. Big old Victorian home. It's very old. I think it was built in 1902, 1903. And it was a gift um, from someone in the politic world um, to a grandson, I believe. Super like Victorian style, beautiful old railings. Um, it's really stunning, but you know, a little and, ominous. <laughs> and spooky paintings everywhere too. Yeah, like, a lot of really like, and it's, there's always like certain paintings you look at and you're you just, just like, those, those, eyes, eye are just, those yeah. eyes are just <laughs> <Yeah>. constantly just... <laughs> totally following you across yeah. the room. It doesn't matter where you are in the room, yeah. they're looking at you. you obviously don't appreciate it when you're a little kiddo, but as you age and get older, you, you really tend to see the beauty in the little cracks in the walls and the stains in the wood and, you know, those kind of things. Scott and Bailey are brother and sister. They both grew up together in this big old Victorian mansion where they both experienced things as well. They lived there with their mom and dad, another brother and sister. Um, I'm the oldest of four. And I'm the youngest. Uh, and I, I guess that was like 1982 that we, uh, so I would have been one when we moved into the home. We we would play hide and go seek with my dad too, and he would Oof. hide and just whistle. And he <laughs> hide in, in like these deep <laughs> cavernous closets that are like, Six feet deep, like. Like, massive. And 10-foot ceilings. 
<laughs> so he could like hide up on a shelf and get under a blanket and just go like. And that's all he would do. <laughs> and then we'd like scurry around checking closets and you'd hear it again. Come on. That in itself is terrifying. So I think we definitely fueled the fire a little bit, you know, for sure. But there was definitely some other things going on. Um, but yeah, growing up, as far back as I can remember, I was always fearful. As their family grew, so did their plans for this big old Victorian mansion. So our attic would have been renovated probably in like uh, the early 90s. Before that, it was just like a typical gross cobweb filled attic with like a weighted door where you just push on it and then like a big uh, like you know tin full of old bricks or something was the counterweight that would open it up spooky and then you just go up there and it's just this massive open attic just with like old hockey skates and boxes and like you know christmas decorations but essentially the whole attic was like wiped clean and they separated it into a washroom an office three bedrooms and like a really beautiful um like stairwell railing and actually in scott's bedroom he has a stained glass window that looked out into the hallway which is kind of cool um and i think that's that's what disturbed um the, the lady in the attic the lady in the attic the ghost that made herself most known did not like sharing her space she was completely annoyed by all of us i feel she wanted silence she wanted to be somewhere else and we are a family of six constantly yelling up and down the stairs. And I think she was just, like, pissed off that we were there. That was her space. And it was probably quiet for some time until we did the reno. She wasn't happy. No, yeah. she was... Trying she was, to get out, trying to get our attention. Like, maybe liked the fear, I'm not sure. So prior to renovations in the attic, um, I would... Uh, I would sleepwalk quite frequently um, and find myself waking up in random places in the house. Um, Most times on the first floor, on the landing of like the main stair going upstairs. Um, And when I woke up, I'd be completely frozen in fear. And not um, not because I was like scared of anything at the time, but just like it was a big space and it was dark and I was a kid. So, so the main staircase had the mirror on the landing mm-hmm. and that was the mirror that I would never, ever look into, ever. Every time I'm like, something is coming up the stairs behind me and I just, I don't want to have to see it. So the staircase um, ran almost like a U-shape it would be like three stairs up to a landing and then like 16 to 20 stairs of a long run to another landing and then another three or four stairs up to the right. And that's that's where the mirror sat at the top landing. To the I never felt like like a touch or anything, but I always felt a presence, like something something's behind me. It was that feeling. It was that, like, you better run up the stairs, like you better go. You better go down those stairs quickly. You better go up those stairs quickly. And that's purely from that, like, fearful presence of what I just felt in that house. The lady in the attic decided to take on a different form. Was My, my bed was against the, the far wall, my head under a skylight, and I would, my 
my bed faced the 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 window to the hallway. So very much if any light would flicker on at night, my parents wake up from the floor below, it would I, I would still see it above. So anyways, it was the one night where I, I just sort of rolled over and caught this this orb floating past the window and then it would return back the other way. And just just continued back and forth. And then I just went back to sleep. The presence in the house noticed that one of the children was a little bit more sensitive to its existence. Um, when I was a kid, what I would feel in the house was presence. And that's the only word that I can use to explain it was uh, fear and presence. And uh, the fear might have been just because I was a kid and it was so unknown, like the presence maybe always wasn't, you know, a negative one or, a, you know, a, a mean one, quote unquote, but presence 100% through and through. There's a little sunroom on the back of the house that attaches to the garden. And actually, I can remember on a few occasions um, when it would be warmer in the warmer months, like summertime, I would actually go out there and, and hang out um, after I'd had potentially a, a scary experience because it felt like safe. I was close to outside, but I wasn't inside. It was definitely a later addition onto the house. So it wasn't um, part of the original history in bricks. The spirits seemed to reach out to Bailey. She experienced more than anyone else in the house. And her experiences started out really creepy. So I would say um, my first experiences started happening probably when I was around around seven years old that I can remember. Um, and the first one would be um, the only ghost that I've ever seen. So I was sleeping in my bed, small single bed, and, and I woke up in the middle of the night and opened my eyes laying on my side. And I see a young boy about the same age as me in Victorian clothing, ruffled neckline, beside my bed, eyes closed, praying right beside my face. So open my eyes, freak out, freeze in fear, complete, com close my eyes, open them back up. He's gone. I can still visualize it like it happened yesterday. It is the first ghost I had ever seen, and it has been the last since. I've been replaying it through my mind for <laughs> over 15 years, but I don't remember it really telling anybody um, or mentioning it to my siblings or my parents. Yeah, it was, it was more, more private. And if that wasn't terrifying enough. Yeah, so I never saw um, what looked to be like a visible ghost after that, but I definitely experienced some... I don't know, you know, you talk to someone who doesn't believe in ghosts and they would say, yeah, that's sleep paralysis. But on two different occasions, I was quite young, say maybe around 10 and the other one maybe around 12. Um, the first one I had woken up in the morning and I had heard growling at the foot of my bed. And as my heart started to pound harder and harder, it was confusing whether it was hearing my own breath what I thought was this other, what, I don't know, demon, monster, ghost. So, you know, frozen with fear, I would try to move a little bit and I would feel like this presence on me holding me down. And this is, this is a classic description of, you know, sleep paralysis, so, you know. But this is truly what I experienced. So on that first occasion, it was terrifying, but I, I didn't really think of it again. I, I really tried to put these terrifying, traumatizing experiences to the back of my mind. 
but they didn't want to let that happen. Um, on the second occasion that I experienced this, so when I would wake up, the first thing that I would sense would actually be sound. So it would sound like low, soft growling, heavy breathing, um, but not human and not coming from me. And then the next thing that would happen would be me freezing and then potentially trying to move and not being able to move. Something stopping me from moving, preventing me from moving, preventing me from going to tell my mom I'm terrified what's happening here, you know? Yeah, I kept a lot of these private. I thought I was really weird, like the sixth sense boy, you know, don't tell anybody this is weird kind of thing. As terrifying as this experience was, some of the ghosts in the house were a bit more gentle when trying to get Bailey's attention. I hated being home alone. Um, and I think it started with, I came home from school one day and my mom would always greet me. I would go, hey mom, and she'd go, hey Bale. And you know, massive house, that's how we communicated, we yelled, right? So I came home from school, open up the door and go, hey mom, and I hear, hey Bale. And I go upstairs, try to find my mom. You know, open up laundry room, she's not there. Open up the bedroom, she's not there. I go, hello. She wasn't home. So someone had greeted me, but it came from a place of love, like family. Um, another instance of mimicking happened with myself, but that was when I was on the third floor. Um, so my mom used to help me with my homework, and because I was so afraid of the third floor, it was suggested that maybe we do the homework up there, right? Maybe just to kind of soften it. Her office was up there, so it kind of seemed like the natural place to like study a little bit, you know? So we went up there one day after school. It's dark outside now. I don't want to be up there. I didn't want to be brought up there in the first place. I'm, I'm scared of this floor. We start to get ready to do our homework, and I think my mom had forgotten something, so she went downstairs. Um, and it was as soon as I heard like her last footstep, like she just got out of like sound reach. I heard, it wasn't even me speaking, but I had heard what sounded like someone go, mom, like mom, as in like someone mocking what I'm thinking, mocking what I'm wishing I could say right now. Like mom, come back up here, mom, I am terrified, mom. The spirits would often try and communicate when Bailey was home alone? No, a lot of this just um, was met face to face with like fear paralysis. And it, I lived with it all the time. I was terrified of the dark. I was terrified to be home alone, terrified to sleep with my door open, terrified to sleep with my door closed. But I would, I would hear footsteps throughout the house sporadically, you, only when I was home alone, of course, obviously. Um, the microwave would start on its own. A mug would fall from the counter in the kitchen. My brother Jordan, he, uh, his bedroom was the room that the attic lady lived in. Um, and he has some separate stories actually about feeling breath on his neck for many years growing up and never thinking twice about it or never telling any of us. And um, my brother had a drum set in there and it would crash and make noise. And I would be on the first floor of the house watching TV on full blast because I was so scared to hear what I was hearing. Meanwhile, the drums on the third floor are crashing. You know, this would happen not not often, but regularly enough where I was like, do not leave me at home alone. Like I would just sit in a chair with my knees up to my chest and my arms around them for the entire day for like, say it was a weekend and like dad had to go into the office and mom was away. Like I would sit there for eight, like eight hours and just like not move, not answer the phone if it rang, not go into the kitchen, do not go into the kitchen, like terrified. 
So after that, it was a few months later, I think, uh, a few weeks or months later when Scott had his experience. After a few years had passed, Scott came face to face with what was tormenting Bailey. Yeah, um, the, the, the lady in the attic definitely communicated with Bailey the most in our house, um, orally, but I feel like I was the only one to actually see it. Um, so at this point, um, I was like 20, maybe 21. I'd been away at college for a year and uh, was currently playing in a band in Toronto and working at a bar in town and working at a lumberyard during the day. I was kind of all over the place. Um, but it was a one night I was playing a show. I came home, it was quite late. It's probably three-ish. Loaded my stuff in downstairs. And as I was sort of like walking up to the house, just sort of remembering like, oh, you know, it's, it feels empty. You know, my brother's, he's gone off, I think, to Georgian college at the time. And my other sister, Chelsea, was she was out of the house. And the only other person home was Bailey and my, my parents. So I was sort of approaching the third floor and coming around the corner, sort of having all these thoughts, like, it's kind of miss my siblings. And then looking at the end of the hall. And that's when this lady, a silhouette, just rushed towards me and stopped right in front of me. And I was frozen. So I was completely frozen and immediately tried to find a light switch in the dark and just to flick it on. And I flicked it on and nothing was there. Uh, what the fuck? <laughs> that was my, my, first, my first major thought. <laughs> like, I, I didn't... I'm, I'm not drunk. I'm not... I didn't smoke anything. I, um, and I just was like, what? I, I couldn't believe it. Um, and then went into my, into my bedroom and left the light on and just laid in my bed, looking through the window into the hall, just waiting. I was just like, it's coming back. It's going to come to my door any second. I'm going to see it out of this glass window first, and it's going to just come through my door. The third floor had been completely empty probably for at least a few months at that point. And then Scott approaching the third floor at 3 a.m., you know, maybe that was her time and her space. And she was like, do not come up here. This was mine again. Don't come back up here. We're done here. Yeah, I think it was shortly after I had my experience in the attic. Mm-hmm. Um that's when I sort of approached my mom in the morning. I was like, "Hey, uh, so last yeah. night, um, some stuff went, some stuff happened." And I think shortly after that is when she was like, ah, "Okay, we gotta, mm-hmm. we gotta check this out." How I even found out about the attic lady was I overheard either my mom or my brother say, "Don't tell Bailey." And it was at the end of the story, at the end of Scott telling my mom what had happened, or they were discussing it in private, and I heard and don't let Bailey find out. Don't tell Bailey. And I went, you better tell me what's going on right now because I will have none of this. So it came to a point where basically no one else was living at home. I was the only one living at home with my parents and uh, I would refuse to essentially be in the house alone at all. It was really... um, really interfering with my day-to-day life. Like, we would wake up in the morning and my mom would go for like a big walk with her best friend, kind of like while I was getting ready for school. But I would refuse. I'd be like, no, you're not leaving. Or I'm coming with you. 
after school, you have to be there. Or else I'm going to hear, hey, mom, from fucking grandma up in the laundry room. So after Scott's experience, um, my mom had decided to contact some sort of, uh, I don't know if you call it spiritual guidance, but just kind of ask around and be like, what can we do here? Can we have the house like cleared? Is Does it need like, um, like an exorcism? Like, what do we do here? So she had a contact in Ottawa through um, like a holistic doctor that we would see. So she had mentioned to him that I was having a lot of trouble with like fear and being in the house alone. And uh, it kind of snowballed from there. And to be fair, I really stayed in the background of this. I was so fearful of what was going on in my immediate environment that I almost like could not be involved um, at all with that. So I guess my mom had gotten into contact. She messaged them or called them, whatever. And uh, that's when they arranged to have a meeting to come to the house. So I called Scott and Bailey's mother so she could give me her recollection of what happened during the clearing that Bailey and Scott were not present for. Please excuse the audio. We were talking over the phone. When I started going into Ottawa with Chelsea for her dance classes, I had been seeing a holistic practitioner at the time. So I would do my appointments often when she was um, at her dance classes. And at some point I did mention to him um, about Bailey's experiences and not knowing quite what to do. But anyway, he was the one that um, gave me a name of somebody that he'd heard about who was kind of like a ghost whisperer or something that would come and like cleanse your house of spirits and stuff. And he was located in Campville. So I did call him. The problem was um, he had a huge, huge backlist of people, like literally a month's month's wait time. Um, He very kindly... um, listened to my story about Bailey and took pity on us (laughs) and got us in within a couple of weeks. When he came, um, Bailey was at school, came in the side entrance, which comes into our kitchen area. And, and he stood in the kitchen and chatted with us for a bit. And then he just said that he would go like on a walk with us um, throughout the main floor to see if there were any spirits or if he contacted anything. And it generally seemed, no, that there was nothing on the main floor. And the main floor continues to feel very welcoming. And um, so we started up towards the second floor, and I was behind him, so I'm giving him some space. And when he got up to the landing of the second floor, he just basically said, oh, yeah, we've got, um, we've got two. They asked the spirits to address themselves. And that's when... One was my great-grandmother. She dressed herself as like, oh, here, here I am. In the laundry room, yeah. hilariously enough. <laughs> yeah. And then the other, and, and, she, and they both said that they were trapped and they wanted to be elsewhere. I don't recall what the second one was. The first one was my, my paternal grandmother. Uh, who was English, born in Newcastle, England. And um, to my knowledge, had never gone anywhere other than her boat across to Canada when she joined my grandfather and they got married and and basically stayed the rest of her life here. Um, Anyway, she was locked in my laundry room, which is kind of humorous in some ways. Um, Sad for her (laughs) because she was fastidious about laundry. Anyway, this... um, Ghost Whisperer 
did release her. She wanted to go to France, I believe. I don't know if it was Paris, but France. And so he sent her on her way. The other spirit wanted to go to Florida. So that was a pretty quick uh, trip for him or her and um, gone. So then we headed upstairs to the third floor and he got to the top of the stairs and basically stopped and said, oh yeah, this is where your disruptive one lives. And so he he did communicate. Again, I don't remember like an out, out loud verbal communication, but he was obviously having a conversation with the spirit. And um, I don't know whether they were stuck and just couldn't get out and they were mad because they couldn't get out or whether it's just a, a, a nasty spirit. But eventually... Um, it was sent on its way as well. The, um, the Ghost Whisperer guy put two cylinders in our basement, um, described them as electromagnetic diffusers or something. Um, one was put on one side of the house, floor joists or, or rafters of the basement, and then the other one was put on sort of the other side of the house. Apparently our house seemed to attract spirits, um, anyway, these cylinders were to allow the spirits still that were gonna, going to be coming in, but it gave them a way to go out as well. So that hence the two that were uh, put in the basement. When Bailey came home, I think there was a sense of relief that he had been here. And I told her that um, the man had gotten rid of three spirits. And we tried to kind of go around to the house and see how it felt. And it, it felt good. Um, I think Bailey definitely felt better after that. So I come home from school, and the moment I open up the door, the side door, to get into the house, the first thing I notice is that it feels like something is missing, which is really cool because I later learned that there were actually two spirits in the house, um, one of which was a family member, the, the grandmother of my mom. So I think that might have been the sense that I felt like something was missing because it felt like I missed someone, like some, you know what I mean? I do have to say, like, when I went through the house after that, and to this day, since we had the house cleared, I have never, ever felt scared on the third floor. I moved my bedroom up to the third floor. Like, who would do that? My bedroom. <laughs> I eventually, my last bedroom in that house was the attic lady's room. I would have never, ever, have ever thought that I would move my bedroom into the attic lady's room. I feel like that house has given me a lot of confidence and hope throughout um, my upbringing. Because it's, it's a very, it's a, it's I, like, to me, it's the most beautiful home and birth. And we hear that from many people. They're like, you live in the, in the nicest house in town. Um, which, as a kid, you don't you don't think anything of that. You're just like, oh, I live in a big house, whatever. But then you visit other people's homes, and you're like, whoa, you're this is this is very very different. So I feel like coming from that, it gives you a lot of perspective, and it makes you kind of want the same thing moving forward. So it gives you a lot of drive, and you kind of like, I grew up in that. I kind of want to continue with that. Yeah, so I think that growing up in that house and the experiences that I had growing up um, really taught me to lean into my intuition 
Um, I have a super strong intuition and I, I rarely push it away. It's in there, it's up front all the time, here it is. Um, whether that's, you know, feeling a presence like we did back in the house or through a dream or through energy. Um, yeah, so I would say that that's something I definitely take with me every single day. How I live my life is intuitively. It's the only house we've ever known, all of us, for our entire it's, lives, and that's very rare. Like, I still call it home. Like, let's go to let's go home for the weekend. And that's why they're not going to move. I they, think it will be home for them uh, into their retirement and into their, you know, into late in their life. So now instead of being filled with ghosts, it's filled with grandchildren. <laughs> yeah. yeah, equally annoying. <laughs> As Scott and Bailey mentioned, their parents still live in the huge Victorian home. The cylinders that the house cleanser placed in the basement are still there. Lori sent me a picture of them. And overall, things have been quiet. It's funny, when I interviewed Scott Bailey and their mom, they were really eager to hear each other's stories, like they had never really talked about it before, maybe except for the major ones. Which was surprising, because they're a really close family. Yet again, when recording my interview with Lori, she arrived at the part of the story where the house was cleansed, and my recording stopped. But it decided to kick back in after she finished, but it did leave me with a really big gap. I concluded that it might have been their great-grandmother, and in true family fashion, she gently reminded Lori that she probably shouldn't talk about it. If you have a story you've been hiding, submit it to us at geistpodcast.com. Geist is written and directed by me, Daniel Matar. Original score and sounds by Bo Jensen. Geist web artwork is by Jake Carruthers. Special thanks goes to Scott Winter, Bailey Foster, Lori Winter, and Lauren Hayes. Follow us on Instagram at geist underscore podcast. And don't forget to subscribe and rate Geist on Apple Podcasts. And it makes it easier for people to find us. Thank you so much for listening and sleep tight. That was so fun. That was great. Woo! <laughs> that was so fun. I feel like I talked way too much. Apologies. No, no, no. no like, oh, I wanted you to. Um, wow. Here, I forgot all the crazy shit that went down. The end. On the next episode of Geist. Even earlier on, I, this is a, a memory not of mine, but my mom would say, you know, as I was growing up, you know, you, you used to tell me that you went flying with grandma. Um, both of our grandmothers passed away about a month apart when we were very young. And, uh, um, and I've, I've been very intuitive through my dreams my entire life.